2: This is Sports Overnight America. I'm Lou Landers here recapping Week 18 in the NFL and looking ahead to Wild Card Weekend. I'm joined by NFL expert Eric Romoff and we will be joined later tonight by NFL DFS expert Chris Emmerich. Eric, bringing you on in here, I want to start off the show tonight talking about the most surprising result from week 18 and I feel like you're going to agree with me here when I say it has to be the Colts losing a must-win game to the Jacksonville Jaguars I know the Colts have struggled in Jacksonville for five or six years now but this just seemed like a different situation a game that should not have been close especially in a win and your in situation Colts could have booked their ticket to the playoffs of week 17 lost that game to the Raiders then lost this game talk about completely falling apart
3: in every sense of the word and Carson Wentz he he did the thing he did the Carson Wentz thing when you know we were talking about this Colts, Colts team maybe making a run you know several weeks or even a couple of months ago uh, I was I was skeptical largely based on lack of of trust in Wentz to not not mess it up to not do the Wentz thing and he he proved me wrong by and large up until these last two games, right? So I was surprised to find that the interception that he threw in this game was actually his first road interception of the 2021 season. That was uh, somewhat of a dumbfounding stat. And you you look at the game overall. I mean, first and foremost, I think this is maybe the best that Trevor Lawrence has looked in his in his rookie season. Uh, to open the game, he came out and completed eight for eight passes, and the the Colts really just played this like soft zone defense. He was completing these eight-yard curls left and right, and they were able to move the ball. And on the other side, you know, timely turnovers. Uh, Wentz had a fumble and an interception, uh, some key stops on fourth down and at the goal line, and all of a sudden the the Colts are on the outside looking in.
2: Yeah, you're definitely right about Trevor Lawrence probably playing his best game of his rookie season. Uh, I want to put blame on Wentz for sure, but Jonathan Taylor – pretty much did nothing in the first half michael pittman i don't even know if he had a catch in the first half um the whole team it was kind of just a big letdown obviously the blame always goes on the quarterback but it was just a team effort and not a good one at that this is sports overnight america lou landers eric romoff coming up next recapping some big time action that decided the nfl playoff picture stay tuned don't go anywhere keep it right here more sports overnight america after these messages
0: Exergen would like you to know about an important new study by the FDA. It confirms what the medical community has always known. Non-contact thermometers are not accurate, and they fail to meet FDA requirements for accuracy and labeling. With new strains of COVID on the rise, we can't afford to tolerate rampant false temperature readings from non-contact thermometers. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. You need Exergen thermometers because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure. Be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com.
4: I know you've been waiting a little bit longer than normal.
5: Jen's manicure spot needs an extra pair of hands. Who's who's at the front desk right now? Someone who's handy with everything from nail files to spreadsheet files.
4: Deidre's not coming in today, but we have that whole bachelorette party.
5: Indeed can help her hire great people fast.
4: I need Indeed.
5: Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
6: I need to be able to work from anywhere. So I need to have supplies, well, everywhere. It's possible at Staples.
5: I need the same setup for my home as I have at the office, without twice the cost.
6: Also possible because your local Staples store has the tools your business needs to get work done. Now get 40% back in a Staples store bonus when you buy any two Inker toner cartridges. Explore what's new at Staples, the working and learning store. Ends 115, limit two in-store only. See staplesconnect.com slash store bonus for details.
0: Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? We could romance the legal copy. It never gets the attention it deserves. And some lawyer worked real hard on it. So take it away, lawyer.
2: Progressive
1: Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary.
0: Now that was some beautiful legal. Well done, lawyer. Well done. Here's a simple solution for you. If you have back pain, knee pain, or any other
3: pain in your body, it's as simple as drinking a glass of water every day. Your body is over 60% water, and drinking the best water you can get is crucial for your health.
2: Welcome back to Sports Overnight America. I'm Lou Landers with Eric Aramov breaking down the action that decided the NFL playoff picture. And this segment sponsored by Jock Market. You can go to the Jock Market app, get a 100% match on your first deposit of up to $50. Use promo code DOC. That's promo code DOC. D O C at Jock Market. Get access to this awesome promotion. Eric, first game I want to talk about is the Steelers and the Ravens. It was a big game between, of course, two divisional rivals in the AFC North. Both teams came into the weekend with a chance to make the playoffs, certainly needed some help. The first thing that had to happen was the Indianapolis Colts had to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, something we didn't expect to happen. But as we talked about off the top, that's exactly what did happen. This Colts loss made it so that the Steelers needed a win to put themselves in a position to get in, while the Ravens needed to win this game and then get a lot of help. The game, pretty back and forth, low scoring. At one point, it looked like it might be the end of the career for Big Ben Roethlisberger, but a late touchdown drive gave him and the Steelers a lead. Ravens able to battle back, drive down, kick a field goal, sending this game to overtime overtime. Steelers then, of course, drive down the field with two minutes left to kick a game-winning field goal, sending them to the playoffs, barring a tie on Sunday Night Football between the Chargers and the Raiders. More on that game later, because we were close to seeing a tie in that game, but a big win for the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, Big Ben Roethlisberger, and a big collapse from the Baltimore Ravens who, uh, I mean, eight weeks into the season looked to be a front runner in the AFC and certainly in the AFC North.
3: Yeah, I think there was a point in time where the Ravens were sitting as the one seed in the AFC, um, and now they're at home as we head into the playoffs, and we all have to collectively suffer through another week of kind of mediocre Pittsburgh Steeler play. Uh, that, that pesky tie very much so came into the mix. Uh, like you mentioned a moment ago, they got the help they needed with Indianapolis surprisingly losing to Jacksonville and you you look at this game on the whole yet again right we've been saying it all season um the the Steelers ability to win games is largely tied to these kind of fluky outcomes right uh, a timely turnover a, a big team a big special teams play uh, an ill advised decision to go for it on fourth down or for a two point conversion and that was very much so the story here in in week 18. We we saw Huntley with three turnovers on the day, uh, one fumble and two interceptions. One of those interceptions was as they were marching down the field and were in the red zone. The other two turnovers provided very short fields for Ben Roethlisberger to work with. And while Ben's arm still looks, you know, very average to say put it kindly honestly Um, you know when he's operating with short fields they have enough weapons on this team to be effective in in those short areas and they were ultimately able to do just enough and you know I I think it's going to be a different story for them heading into Kansas City against a quarterback significantly better than that of uh, of Huntley and uh, ultimately I, I think it's going to be a very short ride for them in the postseason
2: yeah and i think it makes for a pretty boring game too if you ask me i would have much preferred to see the Raiders or chargers taking on the kansas city chiefs for sure but uh i mean nice for big ben getting to have that one more playoff game i guess if you're a big ben fan if you want to appreciate the long career he's had um that's all good and fun again we'll get to that chargers and raiders game because there's a lot to talk about with it but before we do that Let's talk some 49ers and some Rams. Definitely a battle of two completely different halves. Rams completely dominating in the first half. They were leading 17 to nothing until the very end of that first half. Robbie Gould kicks a 42 yard field goal, getting the 49ers on the board. Of course, simultaneously, The Saints were playing the Falcons. Saints needing a 49ers loss and a win of their own to get into the playoffs. So at that time, Saints winning, looking like the 49ers down and out. But the second half, all 49ers until really late in the fourth quarter. Uh, Matt Stafford drove down the field for a touchdown. The Rams went back at on top after the 49ers tied the game. And it kind of looked like the Rams were going to come away with this win. Number two seed, NFC West. Uh, championship all while knocking their division rivals out of the playoffs. But Jimmy Garoppolo, the clutch, Jimmy Garoppolo, injured and all, ready to get back to the playoffs, not wanting to go home. And he drives his team right down the field in less than two minutes, forcing overtime. And in overtime, a 49ers eight-minute drive, kicking a field goal, able to force Matthew Stafford into an interception to end this game Back their way into the postseason. The running game was strong for San Francisco. Both Mitchell and Debo contributed. Brandon Ayuk stepped up with six catches and 107 yards. 49ers get in as the sixth seed. And they're going to head to Dallas for a matchup on Sunday against the Cowboys. A very winnable matchup for the 49ers based on how they're playing. And when you consider the Cowboys really haven't beaten anybody with a winning record in quite some time.
3: There, there's really a lot to, to unpack here. Uh, I guess kind of, you know, starting with your your last point, um, this San Francisco-Dallas matchup is probably my, my favorite game of wild card weekend. And, you know, looking back to the play on the field here in, in week eight, week 18, um, the, the thing that really jumps off the page on the Rams side is, you know, while they were uh, ultimately um, uh, seemingly in, in a very commanding position through the first half, um, you know, they they went on to secure the NFC West by way of the Cardinals loss. Yet again, we're looking at Matthew Stafford with, uh, with, with another interception, with two interceptions in this game. Been catching that Matt Stafford interception prop all season. And ultimately, it, it looked like the Rams might have been doing a little bit of scoreboard watching. It, it feels like they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit uh, in terms of defending that last drive that San Francisco went down to tie it on. And on the San Francisco side, I mean, this is probably the the scariest team to kind of keep the the narrative going that any team is going to have to face in in the wildcard round, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is playing on a mission. He does not want to yield even an inch of opportunity to crack the door open for Trey Lance, and he wants to make another uh, potential deep run in what, Seems to be uh, his his last year here in San Francisco, and good lord, do they have the weapons to absolutely gouge you, right? You you mentioned Eli Mitchell coming into his own. He was he was able to carry the ball over twenty times. Debo Samuel is essentially what we all thought Kyle Pitts would be. He's sort of that offensive weapon kind of X guy. Um, not only did he have four receptions for ninety five yards. He also rushed in a touchdown and he threw a touchdown. Um, so it's it's been really a, a fun couple of weeks to watch uh, Shanahan open up this playbook and really find creative and unique ways to use all of the pieces in this offense. And it, it has them primed to be uh, a bit of a dark horse as we head into the postseason.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of the negative – surrounding the 49ers was just how good is their quarterback play going to be this team is not the team from a few years ago that went to the super bowl that can get by purely just running the football and playing defense one because their defense is good but not as as dominant as it was and two uh the running game is good but i'm not sure it's as good as it was back then either however the passing attack i would say is far better than it was a few years ago and if garoppolo is playing and he's playing at a high level and not turning the ball over this team does have a chance to win any game really uh, that's really what it comes down to
3: yeah absolutely you you look at jimmy g you know completed about 71 percent of his passes in this game and um, the standard previously was good enough and he's been playing better than that so i think they're in a good spot
2: yeah, I'm not feeling great about it as a Cowboys fan, that's for sure. I was looking forward to the Cardinals or the Rams. Not that they're easy, but certainly felt better about that those matchups than I do about the surging 49ers. But this is Sports Overnight America, Lou Landers with Eric Romoff. We'll be back talking more Week 18 games that decided to play off a picture. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this.
6: Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now.
2: Welcome back to Sports Overnight America. I'm Lou Landers with NFL expert Eric Aromoff. Eric, we talked 49ers-Rams, we talked Steelers-Ravens. Well, the Steelers-Ravens game, uh, after the Steelers won, their fate came down to this Chargers and Raiders game. And what a game it was, exactly the type of game the NFL wanted when they flexed it into Sunday night for Week 18 first half saw a lot of back and forth the chargers fell down 10 nothing early they then scored 14 straight points to take a 14 to 10 lead before the raiders scored a touchdown right at the end of the half to take the lead into the half in the second half all Raiders early on, they scored the first 12 points, they had a 15-point lead, just over five minutes to play in the fourth quarter, but then the Chargers come down, scoring a touchdown, they convert a two-point conversion, and make it a seven-point game, and then on the final drive of regulation, converting on multiple fourth downs, five seconds left, all or nothing play, Justin Herbert throws a touchdown pass to Mike Williams. This game heads to overtime. And of course, what made this game all the more interesting heading into overtime was if these teams were to have tied, they both would make the playoffs, and knocking the Pittsburgh Steelers out of a playoff spot. Overtime begins, Raiders kick a field goal, Chargers come back down with a field goal of their own setting up what is possibly the most dramatic regular season field goal in the history of the NFL. Field goal only set up by possibly the worst timeout ever called. I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on that. But two seconds left on the clock. Raiders line up to kick. If they miss it, both teams get into the playoffs. If they kick it and succeed, they eliminate the Chargers and get into the playoffs. If it's somehow blocked and returned for a touchdown, the Chargers get in and the Raiders are eliminated lots to chew there but the kick is up the kick is good 47 yard field goal from Daniel Carlson sending the Raiders to the postseason as the fifth seed they will head to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals this Saturday what a game this was and so much on the line not just for these two teams but for other teams around the league
3: and this this is a a dream scenario for the NFL when they flexed the this game into Sunday Night Football, and there was more drama and intrigue in this game than I've seen in several Super Bowls in my lifetime. Right, so um, you know they they really really hit it out of the park. And what's funny is I was actually on the other side of the fence when we were heading into kickoff of this game, and where a tie would assure both of these teams made their way to the playoffs. I was I was wanting the chaos of them just agreeing to kneel it out and to play to a nil-nil tie and punch their tickets. Uh obviously there are um integrity of the game clauses in the collective bargaining agreement that would uh muddy the waters and, and make that painful for them to do. But ultimately the idea of a tie being mutually beneficial to them is uh was was a really interesting concept and um Sort of theater of the mind to play out, and to your point about the the timeout there in in overtime, it sort of looked like the raiders were were okay with that when uh when Staley decided to call that timeout before the eventual field goal, everyone on the raiders side was kind of looking at them like, What are you doing? We both could make it uh, and ultimately the the path by which the Raiders got there is the same one that many teams have taken throughout this 2021 season, and that's on the ground, right? The Chargers have committed to that two-high shell, mainly to stop Patrick Mahomes, but it allows teams to just run all over them. And we saw it again, Josh Jacobs, 26 rushing rushing attempts, 132 yards and a touchdown. He also hauled in two targets for 12 yards and was absolutely allowing the Raiders to play their game. And ultimately, it, it got down to the point where, The Chargers are on the outside, and we now have to look forward to what should be a pretty comfortable win for Cincinnati against uh, Las Vegas here in the postseason.
2: And, you know, I think a lot of people feel that way, but we got to give the Raiders some credit. They went on the road, beat a pretty good Colts team just to be in this position to be to play for their playoff lives on Sunday night. It hasn't been the easiest road, of course, with the Henry Rugg situation. They were without Waller for a long time. He's back now. I think they have a lot of fight in them. Do I think they're better than the Bengals? Absolutely not. But do I think they could surprise some people? I do. But let's get back to that timeout for a second because you brought up a good point. I'm sure a lot of people watching this game were feeling the way that you and I feel. It just seemed like the Raiders at the point of the game were like, okay, we could try to run another play. We could set up a field goal. But there's more risk to us doing that. Anything could happen than there is for just... To pretty much just sit on the ball and end this game. Uh, there was really... There, there's no benefit for them other than the bang, playing the Bengals over playing the uh, the Bills at this point, right? Like, that's pretty much what it came down to was they were either going to play the Bills or the Bengals, I think. And that's essentially... What the field goal did because they could have done absolutely no- nothing and still had the same result of going to the playoffs. So when Staley did call that timeout, I think it wasn't just the fans, as you mentioned. I think the Raiders themselves were just like, "What are you doing? Like, we're trying to like make this good for both teams." And you have to wonder what was going through Staley's head. Like, what was the point of that timeout? like what was he gaining from calling it? Because typically if you're calling a timeout, you know you're giving your guys some rest, you want to talk over a play, you want to maybe ice the kicker, but like what like what on earth could he have wanted to do with that timeout?
3: Yeah, I mean I don't I don't think there is a logical explanation to this, right? He played the result a little bit um you know saying that he wanted to get into their their best run defense and Ultimately, you know, the the, the following play uh, was still one they were able to convert, so it didn't really net him anything. But the the thing that's wild is, I mean, he almost he almost forced the Raiders' hand into playing for the win. Right there's that integrity of the game language in, uh in the collective bargaining agreement that basically uh, prohibits or makes it very painful for a team to just wave the white flag. Right, so. You know, if the clock was ticking, you know maybe the the snap could be fumbled. Maybe they take a little longer getting lined up. And oh, wink, wink, nod, nod. We ran out of time, and now you know we've tied and we, we're going to the playoffs with that timeout. You know, now the Raiders they 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 can't come out and kneel on the ball. They have to they have to run the next play. And ultimately, it, it's you know it's it's what what came back to bite Staley and these Chargers. And you know, there's a lot of conversation about. What it means for Staley's future I mean he's a very aggressive coach he does things that are you know uh, kind of buck the the trend and the status quo but this play in particular I, I don't think that there is a reasonable explanation as to why you take that time out
2: no there isn't and we know the Chargers have a great offense we know they have a great quarterback but let's be honest it wasn't just this game that kind of gone away from them all this could have been avoided had they beaten your houston texans a couple weeks ago in a game they absolutely should have dominated their defense was a sore spot for them for most of the year and as much as we wanted to see them in the postseason because they can be explosive i'm not sure how deserving they really were
3: yeah the the thing that's frustrating about it is in they're obviously personnel considerations but the majority of their their defensive struggles are alignment considerations right they can they can choose to change their formation and at least be you know incrementally better against the run but you know you you allow all these teams to have you know far and away their best day on the ground against you and you're going to find yourself in a lot of close games or in a lot of games where you're on the wrong side of time of possession and you know over the course of a now 17 game season you do that enough times and you know the the ball is going to bounce the other way um you know more often than not and that's that's ultimately what finds them you know staying at home in in this wild card round Definitely, man. We have a
2: couple more minutes before the break. So I just want to briefly talk about a couple other results that did impact the playoff picture. Seahawks did take out the Cardinals. Cardinals ended up in the fifth seed rather than being able to host the Rams or even maybe move up into the two or the three seed. Um, Russell Wilson did look excellent, though. So did Rashad Penny. And then the Patriots fall to the Dolphins for the second time this season. Uh, The Dolphins have been the Patriots' three out of four times since hiring Brian Flores. Then they fire Brian Flores after the game, after winning the last eight of nine games of the season. Patriots, instead of being the five seed, fall to the six seed, now have to go to Buffalo. Um, I think it's going to be complicated for them. I also think Mac Jones' performance cost him any opportunity to win Rookie of the Year, although I think we both agree it should be Jamar Chase. Regardless, um, I think Mac Jones lost his opportunity right then and there your thoughts on Russell Wilson on the Cardinals lost the Dolphins the Patriots take it away you got about a minute to go
3: yeah I'll I'll start with that uh that Seahawks uh, Arizona game and you know maybe I'm buying into the narrative a little bit but it sure seems like over the last couple of weeks that Russell Wilson is Trying to uh, to to sing his best swan song uh, for his his remaining games as a Seahawk, um, he's been absolutely lighting the world on fire, um, and this week was was no different. Right the the end result, thirty eight to thirty, um, you know, doesn't really indicate how comfortable a win this was for the Seahawks. And on the Cardinal side, I mean this this team is is in disarray, right? Um, you know, it, it feels like over the last five or six weeks really since they've lost DeAndre Hopkins that opposing defenses have been able to adjust to, you know, really slow down and stop the the ground game. And then, you know, they, they just really don't have the horses on the outside in terms of wide receivers to uh, make the, make those defenses pay. And, you know, the, the, the Miami game, it's, it's really a head scratcher. Um, Brian Flores is probably the most surprising Uh, firing that I can remember in a long time especially considering that he won eight out of his last nine um, and that they are dominating the Patriots over the last two seasons which has been uh, anything but the case for Miami in recent memory so yeah I I I don't
2: think Flores will be unemployed too long I think a lot of teams that just also fired their head coaches, justifiably so, will be calling Brian Flores as soon as possible, that's for sure. This is Sports Overnight America, Lou Landers with Eric Aromoff, and I'll be back with NFL DFS expert Chris Emmerich previewing the DFS slate for NFL wild card a weekend. We'll be back right after
3: I need postcards printed and designed. Oh, in a targeted direct mail campaign.
5: It's possible at Staples. I need my presentation printed, bound, and perfect. Also possible.
6: Your local Staples store can help your business navigate the future of work with custom printed sales and marketing materials. Now get 25% off custom printed labels, postcards, flyers, brochures, and more when you spend $60 or more. Explore what's new at Staples. The working and learning store. Ends one twenty nine in in-store only. See staples.com slash print for details.
5: This whole wall needs to be shelving too. This is a focal point in our restaurant. Leilani's new restaurant will have the largest wine cellar in the city. She needs a robust sommelier with notes of procurement manager. Three sections for France. I mean, this is the biggest. Indeed can help her hire, hire great people fast. Ah, I need Indeed. Indeed, you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com/credit and get seventy-five dollars towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future.
6: Hey, remember how 20 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, now it's the future, and I used all those savings to buy this new hologram phone. Because, you know, it's the future, and everything is holograms now.
0: A critical new FDA study proves that non-contact thermometers are not accurate. They also have inaccurate information on their labels regarding accuracy. New COVID strains are on the rise, and non-contact manufacturers are being irresponsible at a time when accuracy matters. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. Switch to Exergen because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure, be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com.
1: Hello? please 800-756-3744 800-756-3744 800-756-3744 that's
2: 800-756-3744 welcome back to sports overnight america i'm lou landers with NFL DFS expert Chris Emmerich taking a look at the DFS slate for NFL wild card a weekend our first six game slate ever I believe in the playoffs for DFS Chris lots of different options here if you're playing that six game slate tell me your favorite quarterback wide receiver tight end stack.
7: Yeah. Well, I I mean, we played a six game slate last year. I had forgotten about it until I watched an old video of mine and saw that I was surprised last year. So um, just a surprise to late Christmas gift. Uh, You you know, I I do like three game slates. I like them a lot, but like these two games, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of them. So this is the last opportunity. We don't get a ton of these. It's pretty nice. Um, You know, an interesting spot is kind of, from a quarterback perspective, which one of these premium guys over 7K do you want to play for? Uh, and, and I think my favorite in that kind of premium would be Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Both of these guys in pass heavy offenses. Both of these guys should be, um, you know, lighting up the opposite team because let's face it, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh do not belong in the playoffs.
2: No, they don't. I do think the Steelers are not going to shut the Chiefs down, but I do think they're a bit of a tougher matchup for the Chiefs than the Eagles are for the Buccaneers. Uh, We've also seen Mahomes spreading the ball around more often lately to Hardman and Pringle, whereas with Tampa, with no Antonio Brown, with no Godwin, who knows if Fournette's going to play. If he is playing, is he 100%? I feel like you know you're going to get a lot of Evans and a lot of Gronk with Brady, I think I feel more comfortable in that overall stack, even though Mahomes might be the better quarterback play. If I'm going for the correlation with the stack, I'm leaning towards the buck stack.
7: Yeah, and it just comes back down to, you know, whether one of those running backs play like you know if four nets in there is he a hundred percent can they really trust him to like pound the ball do they want that later or are they going to have to get out to a big lead or if this game stays close they're obviously going to throw the ball i just can't see them getting a, a two or three score lead and then relying on Le'Veon bell and Vaughn to kind of run out the clock i don't know if those are guys that can do that so that's why i kind of like brady um you, know, you do have a lot of options, though, on the cheaper side of things if you want to you know, pair it with some of the weapons. I think you know, Derek Carr is a super, super sneaky play that a lot of people aren't going to own because you have those premium names. You have Dak Prescott even at home. You've got Matt Stafford against the Cardinals who are just not a very good uh, pass defense. But you know, I think Derek Carr presents a tremendous amount of value. It's just which weapons do you want to attach with him?
2: For sure, and I think the chalky play is obviously going to be Hunter Renfro because he's been a favorite target. He's had a nose for the end zone, but you and I were talking before we came on here about Zay Jones. Uh, He's been much more heavily involved. He's making plays. Carr seems to trust him. He's very cheap towards the bottom. And then, of course, there's always Darren Waller, who on a slate like this might even get lost in the shuffle because you have the Gronks, you have the Kittles, you have the Kelsies.
7: Yeah, and not only that, but I think the other person that you can pair with Derek Carr um, is, you know, a Josh Jacobs. Um, You know, he's a little bit banked up, but this Raiders team is one that likes to dump off the ball to running backs. And um, I I guess you could even pair Jacobs in there and feel fairly confident that uh, regardless of the game flow, if Cincinnati gets out to a huge lead, for example, like two scores or whatever the case is that Josh Jacobs is not going to be marginalized. He's going to be still involved in that offense and then still have that opportunity to score. Hasn't been as much in the last couple weeks, but you know, he has almost uh, gotten double digit targets in several games. You know, he was up there six, seven, nine. Uh, definitely a guy I would consider even if you are playing car.
2: Well yeah, since Kenyon Drake went down, he's gone a significant more uh, significantly, more targets in the passing game, and certainly has just had a larger snap share overall. Not nothing against the other running backs there, but um, you know if Jacobs is healthy, you're going to get get him the ball. On the other side of that uh, Raiders game, we do have the Bengals. You're looking at Joe Burrow potentially. Are you looking at Chase? Are you looking at Higgins? Do you try to go? maybe get a little cute with it and go with Boyd over either one of those guys? Like, how do you look at this Bengals offense? How do you want to attack it?
7: Uh, With the Bengals initially, uh, I think I'm interested in Chase. Just a lot of uh, man-to-man coverage that is being run by the Raiders and Chases. Just feels like he's the one that can exploit that a little bit. Um, Not to say that Higgins can't. Uh, I just, you know, that big play potential that Chase has is – Super attractive at 7,400. You are paying a pretty significant premium, whereas you can get some other guys. And you know, as we get into the tight ends, there are just a lot of other guys that I want to pay for that I don't know if I want to spend my money there. You know, you can go down to this Cedric Wilson, Cole Beasley, Zay Jones, 4,400 to 4,200 range, and get a couple of these wide receivers that have. Showing some big volume, but don't have the big price attached. I don't, you know, I don't hate that. It feels a lot like you know the Mooney and Amon Ross St. Brown that I was on last week, as opposed to paying for some of those premium guys. Not to say that they didn't go off, but it does allow you a lot of flexibility as we move into the tight end kind of position.
2: For sure. I want to ask you about the Cowboys 49ers game because it seems like the type of game where you could just completely leave it alone or you could do, you know, one stack maybe with the Cowboys, run it back with the 49ers. But there's also potential for an entire game stack there because Dak has shown the ability to have those four or five touchdown games. He's been better at home. You know he's got the weapons, whether you want to go Wilson, Lamb, or Cooper, maybe a Schultz. And then there's a lot of options to run it back in San Francisco. Uh, You could just do Debo. You could just do Kittle. You could even go IU. You could go two of the three. Uh, It just kind of seems like one of the few games where there's a lot of action and a lot of options on both sides.
7: Yeah, and I, I don't even hate kind of the lineup construction of this, and, and I'll run it by you, is you can go with Dak. Uh, but Dak has been spreading it around. He hasn't been kind of focusing. You're not seeing a guy get three or four touchdowns or anything like that. CeeDee Lamb has not been in, you know, a, a high-scoring part of this offense recently. Um, so you can go with Dak and even go with something like a Cedric Wilson and then actually run it back with two guys from San Francisco. Um, You know, obviously, Debo is the first one that we look at. Brandon Ayuk has really come on in the last couple games, in the last part of the season, living up to kind of the potential that he was uh, thought to have, uh, you know, going into this season, but didn't realize at the beginning part. Um, But also, like, you got George Kittle. And George Kittle is a guy that you're going to live and die with. He's a guy that gets, you know, double-digit targets, catches them all, has a massive... Uh, amount of yards and some touchdowns and really kind of breaks the slate or he's just not involved at all. I mean, last week he was the, you know, I took that risk, but seven targets for five receptions, 10 yards, he really didn't get there in a game that, uh, you know, they had enough scoring that you would have hoped that he would have had it, but it went to Ayuk, it went to Devo. If you can think it's going to bank over to Kittle I think he's a very attractive GPP play. Always is, but even more so on this slate where you have Kelsey, you have Gronk, you have Schultz, you have Goddard. You have all of these guys that you want to play at that tight end position. I think Kittle's going to be the forgotten man because of recency bias.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of a Dak with Wilson and then a Debo and Kittle. And that's not taking anything away from my youth. But Debo, to me, has to be used, even if it's going to be somewhat chalky on a six-game slate. The amount of action he's getting, either running the football, catching the football. I mean he threw a touchdown the other day. Yeah. Um, the guy literally does everything. He has to be involved, and then you have to make your decision between Kittle and Ayuk. There's a lot of options, obviously at both uh positions, but I feel like Kittle has that huge ceiling, whereas Ayuke not that he doesn't, but um I don't know. I like the idea of the Kittle and the Debo a lot actually. Um, especially if you're going to run it back. But let me ask you about a couple, not necessarily stacks, because I don't necessarily love the offenses, but there's two running backs that stand out to me. The first is Damian Harris of the Patriots. He's had two very good games already against the Buffalo Bills this season topping 100 yards and at least a touchdown in each I believe and realistically we know if the Patriots are gonna win if they have any chance it's not gonna be because Matt Jones throws 40 times for 350 yards and three touchdowns it's gonna be because the Patriots can control the, the ground game and that starts with Damian Harris
7: yeah and not only that but you do just have a ton of touchdown equity with Damian Harris you know if the the patriots are able to get close to the goal line which they probably will once or twice this is not an offense that is built to kind of pass the ball they don't get cute with that they you know people have had this chatter that this Damian Harris touchdown uh, equity and part of this offense is going to regress. I just don't think it is because I don't think that this offense is built to do just about anything else. Uh, they don't have the receivers. They don't have necessarily the tight ends that you're going to trust, and they certainly don't have a seasoned quarterback. Not that Mac Jones has played poorly. Not that uh, Hunter Henry is a bad option. Uh, but it, it's just it makes more sense to run the ball with Damian Harris or run the ball with. Ramondre Stevenson, you know, use these guys to get into the end zone because they've just done it so effectively throughout the year that, you know, Damian Harris at his price should score a touchdown. I mean, I think there's only been like three games all year that he didn't have a touchdown.
2: Well, yeah, that's just it. I mean, he is going to have those opportunities for sure, but he's also been able to, you know, have those games against the Bills. The Bills are a pretty good strong pass defense their rush defense quite average i mean if you're gonna beat them that's probably how you're gonna do it um not the damien is jonathan taylor but look what the colts did to the bills and a lot of that came on you know beating them on the ground i think it was maybe the titans or another pretty good team earlier on in the season that beat the bills using that ground game as well so it is kind of the way to get after them another guy though james connor uh, really been a touchdown machine all season long used in the passing game to whether chase Edmonds is in the game or not and cardinals are in the red zone especially with no deandre hopkins it looks like connor's the guy that either gets the ball on the ground or they look to get him the ball through the air and taking nothing away from kirk who could make a play Ertz, who has been heavily involved but i feel like connor also has that touchdown equity we just talked about
7: yeah, he sure does. I mean, it, he's a fantastic player. I mean, if you remember when kind when of really broke out on the scene, it was as a, um, you know, heavy workload back in Pittsburgh. And he was involved in that passing game towards the end of his tenure there. You know, he was beat up, but they stopped utilizing him in that manner. And it really did plummet a lot of his value. Uh, and so there were a lot of questions coming in over to Arizona, was that going to exist? But, uh, you know, especially when he is the only guy in that backfield, you know, he's just better suited to be this dual threat back than a guy like Chase Edmonds is because he's just better on that goal line. And so he's always going to have that role. But, you know, the other guy I want to talk about that I think is just a, a huge, huge surprise this last month and I've been playing him. And I got on him early and I just don't know when I want to get off the train. Is Devin Singletary, another guy, New England is not good against the rush recently. Singletary's been used a lot, a lot of carries, touchdown equity. He's another play that I would consider.
2: Yeah, and he's gotten some action through the air as well, as Singletary. Um the only thing negative I can say about him is where was he for the first 13 weeks of the season when I had him in my dynasty league since then he's been excellent definitely and Patriots can be beaten that way so good call there good price as well for Singletary nice RB2 or flex price for sure Uh, this is Sports Overnight America Lou Landers with Chris Emmerich and we'll be back talking AFC and NFC champion predictions stay tuned right
4: after this visit www.fda.gov/sunscreen for more information a message from the US Food and Drug Administration
2: Welcome back to Sports Overnight America. Glad you're still with us. I'm Lou Landers with Chris Emmerich. We're going to make our official predictions for AFC and NFC champions. And Chris, I know it's going to sound like I'm going with some obvious picks here, but I just feel really confident in the Chiefs, in the AFC, Packers, in the NFC. There's no one in the AFC that really stands out as being elite. To me, and I'll still take Patrick Mahomes to win a big game over any other quarterback in that conference. And then in the NFC with the Packers, they're elite. Rodgers is elite. Having home field is a big deal for them. And the only team I could see even challenging them would be the Bucks, like last year. But the Bucks without Godwin or Antonio Brown and a banged up Fournette are just not the same team. They don't pose that same threat they did a year ago.
7: Yeah, and, and I, I kind of agree with you. There, there are a couple teams in the AFC. I, you know, Kansas City has come on, and I definitely think they're right there. With Derrick Henry coming back, Tennessee poses a, a formidable threat, and I think Cincinnati is built to beat both of those teams. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a deep run. Uh, they're just built correctly. They're healthy, and they could be the surprise team. I just don't see that in the NFC. It is Green Bay for me. I don't believe in L.A. I don't believe in Arizona. And one of them are going to be knocked out after this week anyway. The only team that I think, if they put it together, play at their best, you know, maybe Dallas, but we've just not been able to see them do that. Too
2: inconsistent. Um,
7: Yeah, and and that's a concern that you have with guys like San Francisco. um, And then again, the health in Tampa Bay. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can put it together. You only need to do it for a couple of games. They just haven't been able to do that, uh, you know, throughout this entire season. But it's hard to count out Rodgers. It's hard to count out Brady. Um, so you know, maybe we'll get a you know another classic Brady Mahomes kind of matchup.
2: Uh, that would be very cool. I know there's a lot of people that would love to see the Bills and the Bucks to see the Bills versus Brady um you know after all those years of him beating them up when he was with new england lots of great options for sure i guess i'm for me i'm taking the the quarterbacks I'm, i think Mahomes in the afc is just that much better than everybody else still and proven in those big games but certainly lots of options i like the Bengals kind of as a dark horse there as well good call I want to thank sports byline usa armed forces network and the uh, listeners nationwide don't go anywhere keep it right here more sports overnight america after these messages